so the year before I came in, they won the national championship there. And one of the kids, his name's Solman Raza, he made the winning putt to beat Texas in the playoffs. He talked to me about what he was going through on that last hole where he had to secure the playoff, first of all, and then during the playoff, what he was doing. And he was telling me all he was focusing on was his breath. And I was like, how does someone take the intensity of a moment that big and just minimize it down to one breath in your own body? I'm your host, Derek Vanderwalker, and today's guest is Kevin Geniza. Kevin's a 2020 graduate at the University of Oregon, where he was a leader on the golf team that won the Pac-12 conference title, as well as being runner-up in the 2017 National Championship. He was drawn to play for the Ducks because their coach, Casey Martin, over a decade ago, incorporated yoga into the team's fitness program, where they were instructed to work on their breath and explore who they were as student-athletes and individuals. In this conversation, Kevin shares how he was introduced to yoga, that first awkward class experience working with the team in Chelsea Duke. And later we get into specifically how yoga and breath work has improved his range of motion as well as awareness on the course. And as he says, just being the best version of himself. So this episode's dedicated to my older bro, who's not only my longest running competitor on the course and a consistent runner up for the Prigmore Cup, but he's also been waiting for this podcast to interview a legit golfer about his practice and how yoga has helped. Enjoy the show. Kevin Geniza, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for having me. So I've been looking forward to this conversation. You're the first golfer we've had on the show. Before we go into your yoga practice, just take us back a little bit on who you are and how you got into yoga and got exposed to the practice of yoga. Yeah, my name is Kevin Geniza. I am a professional golfer. I graduated the University of Oregon in 2020, where I played and lettered for four years. And this is currently the beginning of my second year as a professional golfer. I just moved out here to Florida from Oregon. It's been quite the change, an amazing experience, and a lot of learning opportunities so far. That's awesome. So where did yoga pop up in your life? Yeah, so I remember actually talking to Casey Martin, my coach at Oregon, during my recruiting process when I was a junior and senior in high school. And this is around the time when he actually just started working with Chelsea Duke. She is an owner of the yoga studio in Eugene called Glow Yoga, but she was specializing with athletes on restorative yoga. And I just remember having a chat with Coach Martin about what extra things that his team does outside of golf practice and the golf course, because I really wanted to take in the whole experience and really make sure I was picking the right school. And when he brought up yoga, I was like, wow, that's different. I've never heard another college golf team incorporating yoga into their mandatory week or really any other athletic team incorporating that into their schedule. And so when I heard about that, I checked out Chelsea's page on Instagram, her website, and it kind of intrigued me because it's just different. And so two years later on, when I joined the Ducks in 2016, I remember my very first yoga session with Chelsea. It was in the night basketball arena and it was on one of the top floors. So I had a really good view of the campus and there's about 10 or 11 of us on the team at the time. And it's a lot of chatter. Everyone's just trying to catch up, get to know each other. I was a newbie, the rookie on the team. 
And I was a little overwhelmed. And at the same time, like, how is this really going to be connected to golf? <laughs> That's really what I was thinking was, how am I connecting this to golf? But sure enough, I go through that first session, find a lot of imbalances. There's a lot of awkward laughter, especially when we're doing cat-cow and sitting cross-legged, seeing all the stiff hips on our team. It was hilarious. But we all bonded together in that first experience. And I think with Chelsea there being a guide to kind of introduce it to us, knowing that they're freshmen on the team like myself, it was a really nice welcome. I wouldn't say I was open to learning at that time because it was I was still more in the skeptical stage about it, but I just remember it being a lot of fun, just being a part of the team. So that's pretty wild. Even before you committed to Oregon, you were impressed and intrigued by the fact that yoga was a component of the athletic program there. Absolutely. I mean, that's just not something at the time, especially that you see with many athletic teams or athletes in general, like showing how they're recovering or the extra things they're doing outside of their sport to actually better themselves. And when I talked to Coach Martin about why he added that as an addition to his team's mandatory hours during the week, he explained, look, it's not just a way for you to be better at golf, but for you to work on your breath, work on yourself and kind of explore from within who you are. So I took that to heart and never looked back from there. Coach Martin was amazing. He's an amazing coach and he's a wonderful guy. And I think from that moment, he had my word and there's all history after that. That's awesome. I mean, that's just six or seven years ago. I give props to the University of Oregon's program and your coach for incorporating that stuff early on because you guys are ahead of the game. I think it speaks to a lot of character about an organization and a coach to create a culture and a way of thinking about the full student athlete. It's not just about the weight room and the track, but sort of mind, body, health, and awareness. And I think it speaks volumes in how you support and develop your student athletes while you have them on campus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being a college student is already tough, stressful enough going to class and making sure you're on your schoolwork, and then you add athlete to that equation and adds another level of chaos. And I think whenever the coaches brought up things that we could do extracurricularly or those extra activities, and especially yoga, I think they were also thinking, in how are they taking care of our athletes in a holistic way? Because the reality is it's the stress of being a student and an athlete at the same time, it can wear you down especially if we're trying to be excellent at both. But the fact that an organization like the University of Oregon, they were at the head of that and they led other schools to begin thinking about how to restore their athletes. I mean, it was pretty awesome to be a part of that and see how far it's going, especially with regards to how we approach mental health and just a holistic approach at restoring athletes. I totally get it. Being a Division One athlete, on any sport at the college level is literally a full-time job from late August until you leave in the spring. So by the way, when you were first doing that class with Chelsea, was it all guys <laughs> there in, in that first yoga class? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just our team at the time. So it's Friday evenings usually when college students are getting ready to go out and stuff. And you guys are doing your down dogs. <laughs> yeah. Down dogs on Friday night with Chelsea. So it was just a bunch of dudes and her. 
And you guys are kind of laughing because you guys are just ugly at doing these postures and poses. <laughs> Did you get the sense from some of the older guys on the team or in the room that there was a sense of leadership and kind of this stuff works and we're all committed to doing it? 100%. Actually, so the year before I came in, they won the national championship there. And one of the kids, his name is Solman Raza. He made the winning putt to beat Texas in the playoffs. He talked to me about what he was going through on that last hole where he had to secure the playoff, first of all, and then during the playoff, what he was doing. And he was telling me all he was focusing on was his breath. And I was like, how does someone take the intensity of a moment that big and just minimize it down to one breath in your own body? And that was really cool to listen to him talk about that and for him to talk about how he applied Chelsea's teachings in yoga and breath work to the golf course in that intense moment when they won the national championship. So when he told me about that, I just really bought in. He was also one of my childhood idols growing up because he, he dominated junior golf being a Eugene, Oregon native. But um, him, a couple other seniors too. We had Wyndham Clark who transferred in from Oklahoma State. He's just overall a very good athlete and took it very seriously in regards to how he was taking care of his body. So watching him taking the yoga practice as seriously as he would his own golf tournaments is really cool to watch and pretty inspiring and kind of made me look within myself to see, is this really what was for me too? So yeah, a lot of good leadership. So let's come back to the breath and your practice in a moment, but tell you what, a lot of us who are listening have no idea what it's like to be a pro golfer. And I know you're just starting out, literally you're grinding it out on the tour, working a lot of tournaments across the country. Tell us a little bit about what it's like. What are, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the awesome joys that you get in doing what you do? I've loved being a professional golfer so far, but that doesn't mean that it's been easy at all. In fact, I think the beginning has been probably the toughest experience in the toughest part of my golf career so far. And the biggest challenge I think for most pro golfers like myself who are starting is really just trying to gain status on a tour and also finding the financial means to do it because golf is an expensive sport and going through Q school, which is basically equivalent to a bar exam for law school, that's what gets you your tour card, which guarantees you to play a schedule on it affiliated tour in the next calendar year. I've done a couple of Q schools by now. I haven't gained any status through that where I would have to you know, basically finish in the top 10, 20% to gain any sort of starts. But it's a learning process the whole time. And I think I just need to keep putting myself out there, keep reaching out to people who might be willing to help me out and sponsor me and keep entering tournaments. But like college athletes, college golfers really have it easy where the whole schedule is already planned out before we even get there in the fall. And logistically, hotels, flights, things are taken care of by the school. That made life a lot easier for us already dealing with schoolwork while traveling. Hmm. But now as a professional, all that is put on us, especially at the beginning when we're just trying to put together our own schedule before we do Q school for the tour. So I would say it's a lot of busy work. It takes a lot of initiative for beginning pro golfers to just get out there 
Yeah. So other than being your own manager, travel agent, and everything else that you got to do on your own versus having the college take care of that stuff, when it comes to your fitness and your conditioning, and I know golf is becoming much more of a power game these days, but what does your conditioning look like? And how has yoga helped you as a pro golfer and also as a person? Yeah, our conditioning, I've continued my work with our strength coach from Oregon. He's put together a program for me while I've been here in Florida. It's some weightlifting days where we do Olympic lifting. So a lot of squats, a little bit of pressing and a little bit of pull-ups and stuff like that. But a lot of it is also stability and balance work, doing a lot of one-sided pulls and pushes and making sure that our core is strong. So we do also do a lot of core work. The other thing too is me trying to incorporate yoga into it to make sure my full range of motion is there as well as making sure I'm focused on my breath. And so when I put that all together, it's all just trying to get me to a point on the golf course where I feel I've done everything I can to this point. Now it's just go time, go have fun. That's what it is. So on those days when you go out to have fun, let's say it's a day of a big tournament, big match, whatever it is. How do you start out your day when you have those big challenges and opportunities that you got to excel on? The first thing I try to do is just get at least a little bit of time to just kind of breathe and maybe even count my breaths at the beginning. So it could be, you know, as short as three minutes, or it could be as long as 20 minutes where I need to just kind of sit still and count my breaths, think about my breath, feel the weight of my body on the floor or wherever I'm sitting. This is right after you wake up? Like this is first thing you do or do you, you kind of putter around and grab a cup of coffee and do a few things and then check in? Usually I'll brush my teeth first and then just chill out for a sec before I try to do anything. It's just important to at least have like a little bit of time for yourself to just be quiet. And I keep learning that every day that if you can just make some time for yourself, it can make a big difference, especially during the intensity of a round when that split second where you make a decision of what clubs to hit, what's this wind doing or what happened back there, what's going to happen next. You can all bring it back down to your breath when you're in the intensity of the moment. And I think with that practice in the morning, it gives me a way to refer back to it. So that's been important. And then try to at least stretch my hamstrings and hips before I go out there. So you do a couple down dog. What else you do? I try to sit cross-legged whenever I'm doing some breath work in the morning, some meditation. If I'm really stiff, then I'll sit up on a pillow or two and sit cross-legged. But most of the time, just sit crisscross and then do some down dogs, some rag dolls. Those are really good, especially if I'm feeling really stiff in the back. So what's a rag doll for those who are listening? Yeah. So a rag doll is where you cross your forearms across each other and grab your, basically put your hands on your elbows. And then you just bend from your hips, you hinge from your hips and just kind of do a hamstring stretch where you're not touching your toes. You're just, you're holding your elbows and just hanging. So it's like a forward fold, but you're just grabbing the other elbows and, yeah. and just sort of easing into a forward fold to get your kind of grounding and awareness in your breath, in your back, in your hammies, right? Yeah. If your hands are hanging, trying to do a forward fold, you're not trying to grab your feet and stuff at the beginning. You're just trying to let gravity do the work of letting your body open up a little bit. Yeah. So 
Yeah, there's there's a big part in just kind of letting your body slowly get into it. And I think, I mean, you're still in your 20s and you're noticing this. Stretching when I was in my 20s either didn't happen or it was just literally an act of war against my own body. <laughs> but as you get older, you definitely learn to take more time to check in and see how your body feels before you start doing stuff and you move slower. So let's say you've done your morning breath, you've, you've brushed your teeth, you've done the forward fold, you're heading to the course, right? You get to the course and you're on that first tee box and that first hole happens to be a par five. It's a really nice warm up when you've got a par five at the first hole. What goes through your head when you're in the tee box, really on any hole at a tournament or some big event where you have to do well, this is your career, there's eyeballs on you around the tee box. How do you check in? Where does your meditation and yoga practice and breath work come in when you're first starting to tee up that first ball and you're starting your round? Before, when I put the tee in the ground, I go through my pre-shot checklist. And part of that checklist is visualizing, making sure that I get at least two or three deep breaths in there before I kind of flow into my shot and, and stand over it. But especially on a, a bigger stage or a bigger tournament, what I've realizes especially in the big moments my heart is going to be beating i'm going to be nervous and so like there's no way to fight that i've tried to fight it in the past but the fact that i'm nervous that i feel the pressure i feel the weight of my own expectations it means it matters big time to me that i'm passionate for it and that's great but the other thing too is instead of trying to fight it i've been trying to learn to embrace it kind of like an emotion coming and you acknowledge it and then you just kind of let go and just just let it happen and so before i hit that first tee shot i was checking in my head okay you visualize the shot you're committed this is the right club in your hand probably the rip driver right down the middle so next thing i do is just breathe and then walk into the shot and try my best to put the most committed swing on it but it always comes back down to that first breath, especially right over that ball. So you've, you've done that first breath, you've committed to it, you've stepped up, and you've absolutely crushed the drive. Go straight down the fairway. How many yards are we talking? Be about 300 yards. That's a few more than me. So you hit it 300 yards and you're out there. How do you manage your emotions and what goes through your head when you actually have done really well with a shot? Because I know for me, once I kill it and I do well, then you get the added pressure of being like, I'm actually off to a great start. I hope I don't screw this up on the next shot. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you talk about that because there's this actual stat on the PGA Tour about like bounce back or validated birdies. And recently, my trend has been I birdie a hole, do really well on it. And then the next hole, I bogey it or worse. <laughs> and so... Talking about after hitting a great shot off the tee, going into that second shot, typically when I follow up a good shot with another good shot, it's because I just get my breath back to the normal rhythm. I can feel my heart rate is it's not too spiked. Nerves are still there, especially if it's the first hole. But I think my sense of commitment and confidence is what overrides that. And especially if I'm like just focused on my breath, that's usually what comes with the best results. So 
the last tournament, actually, I had my brother on the bag, and every time I would hit a great shot, he would just say, okay, just walk it off. I'm going to walk ahead. Do not try to keep up with me. I want you to keep your heart rate down and just breathe. He told you that. He did tell me that. That was some great advice. And most of the time when he told me that, I'd be right back in the present, especially when I walked to the ball. So, so let's say you, you nail your first drive. Let's say just so by happenstance, your second shot is not great. It's off to the side. Maybe you open your club face and it's now off to the far right. So as you address the next shot that you, you didn't quite hit it the way you wanted to, what's going through your mind and what do you start to notice in your body? Because one of the things I realized in my yoga practice over time is I start to get a much better sense for how my body is feeling. You do start to notice how your body holds your emotions and your tension. Yeah. So every competitive golfer has tendencies under pressure. And I think the first hole definitely shows a lot of that. So if, for instance, you're describing crushing the first drive and then the second shot, all of a sudden I hit a loose shot to the right. And that's actually one of my tendencies in real life because my body does this weird thing where I kind of like, instead of turning my hips, I just kind of jump at the ball. And so I'm thinking going into the third shot, okay, this is, that's my response to the pressure. I'm just, that's how my body swings in the tendencies. How can I breathe, get back into this rhythm of feeling where my body's at to kind of offset that in a way. So it's weird how I talk about the breath and just resetting, but also with the golf swing, looking for a way to almost fight that tendency. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a contradiction in a way where you're breathing to let go, but also looking for a way in your golf swing to not come up with that tendency big time under pressure. <laughs> sort of a contradiction. In some ways your breathing is helping you relax, but at the same time, you're starting to get a better awareness and focus because you've taken the tension out of yourself. Yeah. So I think that gives me a better body awareness of how my body's moving and makes me help slow down what I'm going through with the golf swing. And I think when I play my best, and many golfers can relate to this, is we don't really think golf swing on the golf course. We're just, you know, thinking about that visualization on the shot and really just swinging to the target. But if I had a second shot like that, some thoughts would go back to the golf swing, but I just have to regain my focus on my training, especially with my breath, and just try to trust what I did in practice is, is going to work on the next one. All right. And so your next one, your third shot, you crush it. You had a great recovery. Now you're up on the green. You're dancing. You have a potential birdie putt to sink <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. What are your emotions as you're walking up towards the green? I mean, obviously, anyone who does well with a golf shot, you're just fired up. Like we said, the first shot off the tee box, it's almost as challenging to know to temper your enthusiasm and excitement as much as it is to manage your frustration and regret when you've not hit a good <laughs> shot, right? So it's sort of the beauty of the game. So you're up on the green, you've got a birdie putt, maybe you're 10 feet away or eight feet or whatever a birdie looks like for you. 10 feet is not a birdie putt for me, but for you, it might be, <laughs> it might be a birdie putt. So when you're there again, you come back to the breath. What else is going through your body as far as thinking about tension or balance or focus? Typically, 
I actually find I'm a lot more relaxed once I get onto the green because that's been the strength of my game since I've grown up. So I find that most of the time I'm feeling a little more loose, confident, really confident that any putt on the green usually has a chance to go in. And so walking up, I do have to contain some some excitement. Typically, I'm a pretty chill, cool person on the course. And I still have a lot of ways to mature in that sense, but I've definitely come a long ways to get to this point. I think a lot of competitive golfers have gone through rough patches, not just with their golf game, but with their temperament and how they handle themselves on the course. And so I think I remember talking to, well, actually my mom, she's a very good observer and she's watched me in a few tournaments, college and a lot in junior golf. And she talks a lot about how when I'm playing well, that it's actually tough to tell when I'm not playing well. Really? Meaning I will have kind of the same approach, kind of the same demeanor, same body language, same facial expression. You're somewhat stoic no matter what happens. Yeah. And in a way that's super powerful to have on the golf course because it's almost like I'm showing I'm not in a place of reactivity, but just being present. And I think fighting the reaction or embracing reactions and letting it go immediately is like a part of the game and it's a part of a maturing process. And so going back to how meditation and yoga has helped with that is, okay, the golf is on the exterior, but how can I handle my interiors? How can I be at my best self for the next shot? And so that comes back down to how I'm breathing, how am I controlling my heart rate? And when I'm thinking about my breathing, it's tough to think about anything else really. So I think that's a great way to find yourself back in the present. You know, I think this type of thinking and attitude about not being reactive to everything that happens, even when great things happen. You're not sort of losing your focus. And at the same time, when things that are not so great happens, ultimately you learn to recognize those feelings and let them go and ultimately get to a place of self-compassion. You just basically don't beat yourself up for totally shanking it into the poison ivy in some course. And you just embrace and enjoy kind of what happens. You start to fall in love with the process and my golf game is at a place that I would never have the temptation of considering a pro tour, but I'm at a place with my golf game that I can enjoy the round with whoever I'm with and just appreciate having that time and being with those people and, and seeing what comes next. So you've sunk your putt. I'm just going to let you know you got birdie. So well That's done. That's a great start. Well done. It's great for the first hole. So, you know, for guys that are listening, really for anyone who are listening, what tips would you have? about how to incorporate yoga into your intention to improve your golf game? I think, especially just for like every golfer, average golfers, competitive golfers, that getting yourself out of a state of expectation or trying to push and win all the time, I think that gets you in a better place even before you get to the golf course or even before you hit a golf shot because it kind of quiets whatever commotion is going on there. And so, especially with yoga, practicing the breath work and feeling the awareness in the body, I think when you're on the golf course, that applies huge because it's all awareness. And at the end of the day, it's not really a mechanical game unless you really think mechanically and you're just out there thinking about the motions. But at the end of the day, it's how you're feeling 
how is your body responding to the pressure, regardless of what stage it's on in front of your buddies or in the stage of a major championship. It's a way to connect to your body. And I think the best golfers in the world have found some sort of self-awareness with their body and how they respond to the pressure. So putting that back into a yogi's perspective and equating it to golf, it's how can I just be the best version of myself? Yeah, that's great. You know, I think getting to that level of self-awareness and sort of self-compassion and the idea of knowing what you're thinking and what you're feeling is something that takes some time to get to. For those who are just starting out in yoga, who are seeing the practice more as a, as a physical challenge, much like you guys did in that first class with Chelsea <laughs> struggling with tight hips, what would be some of the postures and asanas or things that they could do on a mat and try to visualize how those postures or how those certain sequences and flows might help them with how they move on the course? I think my favorite, I wouldn't say most effective because they're all amazing, but my favorite movement that I've done, especially with Chelsea, is going hands and knees and doing a T-spine rotation where I lift my hand and straighten my arm all the way up while keeping the other hand on the floor and then rotate down and get the arm underneath and kind of just getting a T-spine rotation on both sides and breathing. That really feels good for the back, especially for golfers. You can feel it down to the hips too and helps open up a lot of space, a lot of tension. I think especially I've learned with Chelsea that golfers are very imbalanced, especially swinging the golf club one way our whole life. So one side of our body will be way more flexible than the other one side of her body will be way more tense than the other and not necessarily the same the day to day but for the most part when we start practicing we'll notice those imbalances and i think that doing those rotational exercises and breathing exercises it helps with seeing the tension and regaining some balance in the body so kevin just for those listening can you tell us how to visualize what is the T-spine rotation that Chelsea had you guys do? So you start on your hands and knees, and as you take an inhale, you'll start with one arm, say your right arm. You'll rotate it up while keeping your other arm on the ground, up above your head, looking at your hand. And then as you exhale, you'll bring it back down and then thread it underneath your chest, past your arm and lay your head on the mat while you're pretty much rotated the other way. And then we'll do breath work back and forth where you inhale and bring it back up. And then you exhale, bring it back down. And then you can hold it for a few breaths there or up there. And then you got to do the other side. And I think in that exercise specifically, I've felt the most relief and release on both my back and hips, especially like rotating through and uh, breathing through the exercise because there's a lot of stored tension in back and hips, especially when we're rotating and hitting the golf ball one way. So I think finding that full range of motion in both the spine and in the hips is important. And that's an exercise that has helped achieve both. Yeah, no, I, I know that one. It's a favorite of mine as well, even though I, I still can't quite 
hit the ball the way you do. <laughs> so Kevin, this has been great. Any last tip or advice to guys who are listening about just in general getting in their yoga practice, particularly guys maybe in your age group or guys who are in high school or college? Yeah. I mean, the yoga really itself is not just on the exterior. It's not physical, but it really transforms you from inside. And I think it's been a great way to connect with myself and my emotions and also think about how that energy is expanding out to other people whenever I'm interacting in the world or talking to my family and friends. I think that I process things a little slower and I tend to react slower and making sure that I'm in my best state of mind to approach things. And I find that not only just calmness, but some quiet confidence from it. I mean, there's not many guys doing it. You don't hear about many guys talking about it. But I think that if you pull over just a random guy on the golf course and start talking about how this yoga practice is really making your golf game great, he's going to be all bought in because that's what the next best thing is for golf. I think just in general for people, like if everyone in the world did yoga, this world would be a better place. So that's the message. Yeah, man. Amen. Hey, listen, Kevin, <laughs> awesome to have you. It's great to connect. Thanks for joining us and good luck with the tour. I hope everything works out for you. I know whatever happens, happens and you're already on your path in so many ways. So I appreciate what you're doing and how far you've come already as a young guy. So, man, thanks very much and hope to see you soon. Thank you, Derek. Thanks for having me on. You bet, man. Take care. So I got to be honest, I'm really impressed with the wisdom and awareness Kevin has developed already as a young guy in his 20s, and I'm sure you've been as well. As you get ready for your next round this spring, I challenge you to incorporate some of Kevin's advice, including number one, making some time for yourself first thing in the morning. Number two, warming up with some down dogs, rag dolls, and those great T-spine rotation exercises you mentioned. And lastly, number three, trying to visualize your shot and grounding yourself with that first breath as you approach the ball and just commit to the swing. Good luck out there.